Welcome to episode 908 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I didn't have any drafts this week, and for the first time in a long time. Uh, and so, like, I woke up yesterday going, wow, like, I've got nothing to do this weekend for baseball stuff. And I was able to knock off a whole bunch of stuff on my projects list that had kind of bled over into the, hey, you said you were going to get this done a few weeks ago type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so got a whole bunch of that stuff done. And it was just nice not to have draft after having, let's see, two Saturday. I had three Saturday, Sunday, and then Wednesday. And you know each of these, because they're online, are like five-hour adventures now. And <laughs> they wear on you, man. Because uh, they were, they were, and it wasn't, the NFBC ones fly. Like uh, those yeah. are quick, right? But your home leagues, when you're doing your home leagues, let's see, Saturday morning was tout, and that was in the the Fantrax software. That took about five hours. Uh Sunday morning was my home NL league, and that was in the CBS draft room. That took about five hours. Uh and then Wednesday night was another CBS one, uh Gotham League with all of our friends and, and such. And that took five hours. And that one ended at you know, started at 7.30, ended at like 12.30 in the morning. It's just wearing on you, man. Uh, and so it was nice not to have anything to do this weekend and just be able to focus on something else for most of the day. Not to say I tuned out of baseball. Of course, I was watching games and reading stuff. But it was just nice not to have any kind of, oh, I've got to block out five hours of time to do this today. Yeah, I am I have not yet had that day off. So that will probably come next weekend <laughs> so it's been let's see i i did uh the beat colin weatherwax online championship against paul and obviously colin weatherwax john fish and uh i think walter mcmichael and randy haynes michael alexander all on that league absolutely crushed them feel really really good about that team but uh yeah then it's out last weekend and um i did my first main event uh last week and now I'm going to be doing my uh, my own beat, Justin Mason League, today, and then my my last main event on Wednesday, and then I'm done, finally. Yeah, nice. So uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of different things, and then we're going to get into some bold predictions, but there's a fair amount of news that has happened since Paul and I recorded uh, on uh, Thursday. So we'll start with kind of the big news. Luke Voigt is going to get knee surgery on a torn meniscus. He's going to be out for about four to six weeks. Uh, so the question becomes, what kind of discount are you willing to take on Luke Voigt to actually draft him uh, if you had another remaining draft? And then who do you think is the biggest beneficiary of that kind of uh, lost time? So four to six weeks for him to get back on the roster, you have to figure to get your timing back. So let's add, let's say six to eight weeks. So that's about a third of the season. So there's your discount. You know, take take a third of the season, uh, discount what he was going for by a third, and that's a decent rule of thumb to uh, to play with. I think who benefits most is Mike Talkman survives as a Yankee. I mean, he's out of options. Uh, you know, there was trade rumors like, oh, hey, one, I wonder if he can go to the White Sox so they can get some more outfield depth because Billy Hamilton is seriously going to make that team, uh, even if it's only two weeks for uh, uh, while Adam Engel's recovering from his uh, hamstring uh, strain. But it, there was possibility of there. Uh, so Mike Talkman seemed like he was on the move. You saw rumors about the Yankees listening to offers. Now I think he absolutely makes the club uh, because they, they need the, the kind of insurance 
for the next few weeks, even even though Jay Bruce is making the club, and Jay Bruce is likely going to be the first baseman on the squad. Uh, it allows Topman to move around uh, the outfield, giving them a, another left-handed bat off the bench to poke a home run as long as they're playing in Yankee Stadium. So that's how I see that situation playing out. Yeah. So last night in our online championship, uh, Voigt went 89th overall. Um, so a little bit of discount, but not, not nearly. Much. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> it, it, full disclosure, the guy who took him clearly did not understand the format. Uh, that we were playing in on NFBC because he was uh, he he took like seven stashes and like he's his team grades out well because projection systems look at you know just the totality of the stats and kinds of assumes you can stash guys um, but uh, yeah it, it it's not going to end up well for him he's going to have to drop a lot of his guys that he drafted uh, yeah, I took Kellenic as my only stash in my OC yeah I saw. Voigt go in like the 12th and then I think the 15th round of some main events last night. And I think that becomes a little bit more reasonable and kind of uh, some spots I'd be willing to kind of take a shot on him. Because if we're talking 15th round and a 15-teamer, well, that's like pick 300-ish, you know, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a lot more fair. It's just really hard to roster these guys, especially because... We're going to be talking with the next guy, uh, really, with about a problem that's kind of rampant right now through uh, spring training and around Major League Baseball, uh, and that is COVID. Uh, if you thought we were over COVID, you were wrong, because uh, it seems like every team is having a COVID outbreak the week before the start of the season. Um, and one of the guys affected by this is Miles Straw, who's scratched for quote unquote health and safety protocols, which, uh, you know, and there's a few guys on the Astros, a few guys on the Orioles, a few guys on, um, uh, the, the Red Sox that are now scratched <laughs> because of these health and safety protocols, which typically means someone was exposed to COVID and now they've got to wait and see who on the team actually has it before they can let him come back. So uh, let's talk first about Miles Straw and then uh, talk kind of just about generally about COVID. What are you doing if you're going into a draft with Miles Straw? He's been kind of a late target for speed, clearly uh, is going to miss at least a few days. Maybe he's back for the, uh, for the regular season, but maybe he's out two to three weeks. So what are you doing if you either drafted Miles Straw or if you were looking at him as late speed? So I've mostly tried to avoid him. I have him in my home league uh, for nine, but I also on that same AL only roster, I, I have Aaron Judge, I have Miguel Sano, I have Justin Upton. So it's it's easier to roster somebody like Miles Straw when you have that type of power potential. So that's where it. So if you're going to take him, it really depends on how you've constructed the rest of your roster. And I think uh, in these in these national formats, it's pretty clear once you, you know, if you're punting speed. Or you're up punting speed, you're waiting late. Like he's everybody's late speed target, right? And so you can see who's gonna be there. And so somebody's gonna be like, Oh, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and take him here because I can see Justin's got five picks after me and our roster looks the same. So it's one of these types where if you are planning on loading up on power early and trying to grab these guys late, you're not gonna be the only guy to do it. And you're likely going to have to reach to, to make it work. Uh, and so that's where I've tried to avoid this type of this type of player. What you know, how it impacts him. We you know, we saw last year coming off everything. You know, Randy Rosarena gets it and then is amazing after it. 
Austin Meadows was amazing, gets it, and then he sucked. So, and, and Yohan Moncada said he, he was just a, a lost season. So, with the, the outcomes are all over the place with this. But, and that's the problem with Miles Straws. You know, if he gets out to a slow start, he may not just get that starting job back. Somebody else could step in. They may decide, you know what, we got to go bring back Josh Reddick. Who knows? You know, they may have to decide, move on. And all of a sudden, Straw goes from having a starting job to riding the bench again uh, because this offense is still. Good enough on paper where they don't have to carry somebody who's uh, who's questionable uh, towards the end of towards the end of the lineup. So if some somebody else can step up, if Chaz McCormick can come in uh, and is playing good defense, maybe they just say, "All right, Straw, you're back to the bench. We'll use you when we can use you." So not great news if you're a Miles Straw um, if if you have shares of Miles Straw. Yeah, my only share is in the main event, um, and it was kind of. Uh... I was targeting Manny Margot. He went like two picks in front of where I was going to pop on him. Uh, but I, And I really needed the speed, so I ended up taking Miles Straw kind of as my consolation prize to Manny Margot. And uh, yeah, that this, so this is really scary because it's not a team that... It is a team that's already a little bit light on speed. And now I've got Miles Straw out right now. So hopefully we'll get some more clarity. Um, but I think you're right. You, you're going to have to, if, you know, Fab runs tonight in NFBC leagues for the first time. So if you're in an NFBC league or if you're in your home league and kind of the first Fab runs tonight and you have Miles Straw on your team, uh, you may want to start looking at kind of some other options, you know, Billy Hamilton, uh, like you said, um, or maybe a guy like Tim LaCastro over on the, uh, over on the Diamondbacks. Uh, kind of, kind of some cheaper speed options that might be available, but this is also kind of the pitfall to drafting a guy like Miles Straw, to drafting a guy like Mike Malik Smith back in the day, right? I used to be a big fan of his. Oh, he gets so many stolen bases. Well, if something happens and all of a sudden he's no longer playing for your team, your team is devoid of stolen bases, um, and that that is a real issue about not building a balanced roster and kind of. Uh, relying on these rabbit type players so yeah i mean i have him he's nine dollars in the local league and honestly he's on now he's moved to my maybe list we have to turn in keepers here uh wednesday and he's on the maybe list but the the problem is is it's either that or i just turn in 14 guys because i really don't have any other that go oh yeah that, i, I want to keep that guy's at 15th because i can these other prices i can put them back and probably get them back at the same price or even less. So uh, he may, we'll have to keep an eye on things. Yeah. So uh, just kind of keep, keep attuned to kind of what's going on with uh, Mr. Miles Straw, um, because he could be a difference maker uh, in the stolen base department this year, even hitting the bottom of that uh, Houston lineup. But if, if he's going to be out for longer than just a few days and not be on this opening day roster, that's a that's kind of a scary sign that he actually has COVID and not that he just um, you know came into contact with someone with it. So, all right, uh, moving right along, uh, uh, Kyle Lewis he is banged up after running into a wall. Uh, his opening day is kind of in jeopardy. Uh, this is a scary thing, even though they're kind of downplaying it in Seattle. Uh, this is a guy who struggled with injuries all throughout his minor league career. It's the reason why he, you know, went from being kind of a consensus top 25 prospect to kind of being an afterthought uh, in terms of, you know, his prospect pedigree. 
What are your thoughts on Kyle Lewis? Is he someone to avoid right now? Stop running into walls. Stop applying yourself in spring training. Right. And that's the only reason I chuckle. I'm not chuckling because he's hurt. I'm chuckling because your one job in spring training when you're a regular is don't get hurt and don't do anything stupid, Eloy. Uh, so with Lewis, I haven't been able. He's nowhere, uh, and not it's not because not because I've avoided him. It's just because other people have been higher on him than I have. Uh, and he's gone by the time it makes it to me. Uh, I think this is when you look at some of the way the roster is shaking out, Taylor Trammell has made the opening day roster. Uh, you know, he's been told Sam Haggerty, uh, who is having a really nice spring and stolen bases. He's perfect six for six. So it's like, if you're looking for cheap deals, getting back to the earlier conversation, uh, depending how deep your league is, there's somebody who is clearly running. You know, Seattle ran a lot last year. They led the American League in stolen bases, uh, successful stolen bases, and they were running. They were converting them at a 76% clip. Uh, it's 75% this spring, so it's holding true. And service is putting these guys on the move. So you have Haggerty. It appears he's going to make the opening day roster. Could be a nice late speed dart because he he can play a couple of spots there. Will be interesting to see how that plays out, but. Yeah, with Lewis, it's just a reminder of you know why uh, you know why he why his career has been the way it has been. But man, we got like three four days till opening day. Please just stop doing stuff that gets you hurt. You yeah. hit the dirt. If you're if you feel you feet on the warning track, just stop. Just yeah. stay away from the wall. <laughs> yeah, just you know stay away from the wall. This is this is the good advice. Uh, I was already kind of fading Lewis, so I'm just going to continue to do so. Um, and he went really late in our online championship uh, yesterday. But I just, any of these injury guys, for the most part, I'm staying away from him. He went 232 um, in our online championship yesterday. His ADP in the online championship over the last two weeks is 155. So, I mean, that's a pretty good discount. But again, you're going to have to roster these guys. And with COVID still being an issue, with a lot of injuries kind of popping up, we're expecting probably a lot more injuries um, throughout the season with uh, pitchers ramping up uh, in a way that we've never really seen before, going from 60 games to 162. I just, any guy who's already dealing with an injury, I'm kind of just avoiding for right now. I mean, he went 18 uh, in the OBP format of Tetlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm looking to the GNL, and he was the 88th nomination. Of that, so it's like it wasn't like, hey, I've got money, I have to spend it type of thing. Mm-hmm. He went, you know, within the first 100. Yeah, I just, I, I, I'm a little afraid of kind of that second half drop off to begin with, um, and then you know you add in the injury, and I'm just kind of avoid it. So there's just too many other guys going around him uh, that I really like, where I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pull the trigger on on Kyle I- Lewis. I grabbed Santander at 15, uh, about 20 spots later. Uh, but, you know, he's dealing with a kind of a sore oblique right now. He's been out mm-hmm. four games. Uh, hopefully that's just minor. Uh, but if there's one injury you don't want to rush back, it's the oblique. So if he's got to open the season on the IL, fine with that. Yeah, and so that that's our next, you know, hop on that segue and, and, and ride over to Anthony Santander. Uh, he does have a side issue. Uh they're downplaying it in Baltimore. They say it's just, you know, a minor thing, but these, these side issues tend to be uh, tricky. Right. And, you know, we have guys who, you know, they say they're going to be back and then they're not, uh, it ends up being longer. Are, are you, would you draft Anthony Santander if you're in a draft this weekend? Uh, I still would. Uh, I still would. But yeah, like I said, I, it was $15 uh, uh, for talent. 
uh, if we were doing that today, maybe I say stop at 13. I mean, I'm not going to discount it that much uh, mm-hmm. with that because I still believe love love the play, love that he's going to play every day, love that he plays in Camden, love that every road park in his division is still a great place to hit for him uh, you know, with Tropicana being the worst, but it's even getting better as a run environment. So I, I'm not going to run away from this that much. I may not go the extra dollar, but that's really it. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I'm not completely running away from it. Um, just kind of keep it in mind as you're building your team. If you've already taken maybe like a George Springer, if you've taken uh, you know, some other guys that might have some issues, a Miles Straw. Well, I guess Miles Straw probably going after Santander. But don't load up with these guys, you know, just in case one or two of them do hit the IL. You want to make sure you've got enough uh, players uh, for kind of that opening weekend uh, to start. So I think Santander will probably be fine, but these things can get re-aggravated. They can get worse, uh, uh, and we just want to be very careful. I do like Santander quite a bit this year, though. I feel like he's a pretty underrated asset. ADP over the last month or over the last two weeks in online championships is 172. Uh, that feels like a pretty good price for a guy who's going to be playing all his games in Candom. Yep. All right. Uh, next, uh, next set of news uh, is the Reds said yesterday that they are not naming a closer. Uh, there had been reports that it looked like uh, Amir Garrett was going to be the guy. He's looked fantastic, but. David Bell, manager there in Cincinnati, says they are not naming a closer that they could use uh, Doolittle, they could use Sims, or they could use Garrett. Uh, do you believe that, or do you think that one of these guys is going to emerge? Oh, I think one of them is going to emerge. It's really tough to overlook the fact that Amir Garrett has faced nine batters and struck out all nine this spring. You know, he's got nine, nine bad, at least that's the stat that I heard. I was trying to look it up, but that's what I heard was the stat. And I'm like, really? We're going to say that this is going to be a, a, a committee and by matchup. It's like they have, they have Doolittle. They have, so they, they already have another lefty in the pen. But yeah, he's got three innings pitched, nine strikeouts is what, uh, nine batters face. So Amir Guerra has struck out every hitter that he has faced this spring with a quality of opponent of 7-4. So, yeah, some of them may be rookies, but, yeah, I don't care. To strike out, he's got – he has the immaculate spring. Yeah. Yeah, that said, when a manager says this, that means they're thinking it. So, it's like you've got to – you've got to put that – you've got to put that into your head. You know, like, conversely, somebody like Craig Council has done the exact opposite. He's already come out and said, haters are guy. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we love watching Devin Williams throw his airbender uh, and, and throw 99 heat uh, along with it, he's already come out and said, haters are closer. We're going to use him as traditional closer. And then you've got uh, Bell over here saying, I can use all three of them. And it's it's nice to hear a manager say that because it's what they should be thinking. It's like you can't sit there and, oh, we've got a tough lefty coming up and we've already used we've already used Doolittle, but we can't use Garrett because he's our closer. So we're going to bring in this guy and then boom, game's over. Uh, so it's, it's nice to hear. It really stinks for fantasy purposes. But if, I still think Garrett wins this and gets a, a lion's share of these saves, like something like, 80 percent mm-hmm. of the at the low end of the meaningful saves i'm not talking about the the three you came in and, and stole a save you know you get uh the three inning crap but i'm talking like the meaningful saves uh where somebody's getting the, the zero and the one run the two run you know three run saves meh, uh or the three inning save type but i think garrett's still gonna get the lion's share of these 
I tend to agree. I mean, the only uh, issue I see with that is sometimes managers, uh, you know, in this day and age are wanting to use their best reliever in just the most high leverage spot. And so if that's going to be the case, they're going to use Garrett in their most high leverage spot. That being said, we kind of see this all the time. Oh, we're going to mix, mix, mix and match. We're going to we're going to use a bunch of different guys. And then guys blow saves early on, and then all of a sudden they go like, I, I hate losing a lead in the ninth, and we're going to put just our best guy back there to make sure we get that win. So I, if I'm drafting a Reds reliever, it's likely I'm taking the shot on Garrett. Um, I don't know that I'm going to take him as high as I've seen him go in recent drafts, because um, last night, um, well, last night Paul dropped uh, – he took him at 163. I actually don't think that is necessarily a bad price. Only problem is, you know, uh, Greg Holland, who is locked into that role, went at 210. Um, you know, and uh, other guys who were locked in, Anthony Bass went um, later than, uh, than Amir Garrett. And those guys, I think, are locked in, whereas Garrett is not. So I like Garrett a lot. I think I'm going to probably miss out on him just because other people like him uh, a bit more and feel more confident that he is the guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is dealing with some dead arm right now. He is kind of questionable for his uh, spot in the rotation to start the season. They're hopeful that he'll be able to start the second game, but it seems like that is kind of up in the air right now. Uh, this is a guy I've been avoiding all draft season, mostly because of all his COVID issues last year, and just how it just you know really hurt him quite a bit. He had a he he couldn't he wasn't cleared to walk until like late summer early fall. Um, has looked good when he's been pitching, but this is now a concern again. Uh, are you worried about Eduardo Rodriguez? I am, but he was at the top of my list of, of players that I really wanted not, I didn't want a part of this because, you know, we, he was probably the most extreme example of a pitcher going through everything last year. It's great that he was able to come out, come out of it on, on the other side and has looked good this spring when he has pitched. Uh, but this dead arm thing is concerning and we're not, this isn't the only example of it that we're mm-hmm. going to see. I expect to see more of this, especially as the season goes on. Uh, everybody looks you know, for the most part, everybody looks really good right now because you had the off seat, you had the rest, you had all that. But, you know, once we get to the, oh, hey, that's how much work I put in in 2020. Uh, and then as the season wears on, what people are going to look like, it's the big unknown because we have absolutely no baseline to figure it mm-hmm. out. But with somebody like him who has didn't even pitch in 2020 and here he is out here doing this and all of a sudden he's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sore here. Uh, the good news is it doesn't appear to be anything uh, physiological. Yeah, it's not structural. Uh, yeah, that that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, it's nothing there, so it's not like the, the stuff with Zach Gallen or, or Nick Anderson or Kirby Yates. It's none of that stuff. Uh, so that's the 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 good side. But honestly, it's something that I was. He's not somebody I was looking to get on my team, uh, given what people are projecting from him from a workload coming off a season where he just didn't pitch uh, and he's had trouble staying healthy to begin with with his legs. Uh, yeah, that knee has always been a problem there. So. Um, it's just one of those other things you get to factor in. Yeah, I'm. I ha- I've been avoiding him all draft season. Like I said, I'm probably going to continue to do that just to be on the safe side. Uh, I think he does offer a really good discount right now. So if you were on uh, Rodriguez prior to this, 
you know, his ADP in the last two weeks was uh, 208. Uh, he went 248 in my online championship last night, again by that guy who stashed a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> so, like, 248 is not a bad price. Um, and we're talking about, you know, going around pick 250. Uh, you know, we're talking about going around guys like Brady Singer um, or Zach Davies or Tony Gonsolin. So I don't mind the gamble considering the guys he's going around. I just feel much more confident I'm going to get innings out of those kind of guys uh, than I am right now with Rodriguez. So it's kind of risk-reward. Be prepared, especially if you don't have an IL in NFBC. But even if you do have an IL, we're going to see these IL spots fill up really, really fast. Uh, what is this protected pitcher list thing I keep seeing now? I have no idea what you're talking about. I've seen some news that like this, play, this pitcher's been put on the protective list. Uh like Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray was a good example because Robbie Ray is going to miss his first start of the season uh, because of the the elbow thing. But the news, the news that I saw with him put him on the protected. I never even heard of this uh, this uh, uh, classification, but I, I keep seeing it tweeted out. Uh, I can't. I'm looking for the example of it, but I can't. I can't see it. Uh, whatever it is, it's just kind of weird. I've never seen this kind of install. Uh, this kind of classification on a guy before. Hmm. Um, but I've seen it a few times. Now I want to look for it because I've seen it a few times on the uh, the news bits of late, and so I'm like, huh? Yeah, I, oh, well, I, I can't find it now. But uh, uh, yeah, I have no idea. Honestly, I had not seen anything like that. So. Um, you know, if someone knows about this, feel free to tweet at us, uh, uh, at Jason Collette or at Justin Mason FWFB, and then, uh, we'll, we'll kind of retweet it or we'll share it on the podcast next episode. So I, yeah, I, re- I honestly yeah, sorry don't know. To throw in the confusion, but I I've seen it and I can't figure I, I Oh, here it is. Uh, in fact, J- uh, Jason Martinez put it out. Robbie Ray moved to the protected injured list. Hmm. I wonder if that's like, they don't have to IL him because it's spring training uh, but they can open up a, ma- uh, a spot on the forty man or something for, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. So maybe I'll, I'll message Jason and uh, and see what he says about that. Um, yeah, all right. I don't know if he's got any list. Like, what is this? Uh, but he's used it a couple of times. Uh, he used it a couple of two years ago, though. I'm looking up. Miguel Sano was moved to the protected injured list. Maybe it's just something on roster resource, and it's not uh, an actual. Yeah, it might be. All right. Um. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Uh. I'm seeing maybe it's the projected. It should be projected instead of protected. Maybe I just can't read. Oh, it's auto. It it could be auto typing. On on, (laughs) yeah. On the on the Reds um on the Reds uh sheet that he's got over on roster resource, it does say projected, not protected. So maybe 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 it's just a typo on that one. All right. So let's uh, move on. Talk about the last piece of news that is Carter Keyboom was sent down. Uh, we're going to see a number of these guys, uh, you know, the final kind of roster spots uh, being kind of worked out and guys that we thought were going to make the opening at roster or not. Carter Keyboom is one of those guys. This means Josh Harrison is in line for a lot of plate appearances, likely as pretty much the regular second baseman. Um, what are your thoughts on Carter Keyboom and then Josh Harrison getting playing time? Party like his 2016 with Starling Castro and Josh Harrison in the opening day lineup at third at, at third base and second base, respectively. Uh, 
it you got to go with the guy to hit. Keyboom has not shown the ability to hit major league pitching. Is not he didn't hit it last year. He's not hitting it in the spring. Uh, and I can't blame I can't blame Davey Martinez for wanting to take a different route. And Harrison's the only other guy unless you, they want to try to roll out Mer, uh, Jody Jordy Mercer or Hernan Perez. So you know, go with go with the hand that you have, unless they want to sit back and see if somebody uh, gets cut here uh, at the last second on players that are out of options type of thing. But right now, this is how they're moving forward. I don't. You know, Castro was in the lineup to, uh, regardless. Harrison's going to hit at the bottom of the lineup in front of the pitcher, so, you know, whatever. <clears throat> so he may just be in there as a placeholder. But Kibun just needs to stay down in the minors and show that – show something. He, the, the crazy thing about him is there's been such a gap between what he's been able to do at the, at the minor league level and then what he hasn't been able to do at the major league level. It's just really – you know, when you stare at it, everybody was calling for his, his uh, recall or his call up when he was just blowing away the minor leagues. Uh, but then at the major league, we're talking about a, a guy that's hit 181 with a 309 OBP at 30 percent strikeout rate. Uh, and but at the at the minor league level, it, it just he was wearing guys out. Uh, did it in triple A, did it in triple uh, A, but in double A wasn't really there. So maybe it was just an accelerated growth path uh, for him, and maybe it was too fast, and so a reset should help. But it's, he's down at the alternate site, and I don't think we'll see him until summertime. Yeah, this is just a bummer. I was kind of, I was, I was getting a lot of shares of Carter Keyboom. You know, he'd gotten LASIK surgery in the off season. I thought, oh, maybe that was part of the issue. He was having trouble seeing the ball, and uh, yeah, it just he's not been able to hit. And at some point, you got to hit. So I mean, he is droppable. Pretty much in every redraft format. In, in Dynasty, I would still hold on to him uh, if I can. Um, but yeah, in redrafts, you got to let him go. I'm going to be dropping him in my tag team league that I took him with Shelly uh, and in my main event, which I believe I took him with my last pick of the draft. Uh, and just I mean, moving on. So He's 6 for 45 this spring with 17 strikeouts. Yeah, it's uh, been brutal. At the same time, Trey Turner is 7 for 40. But Trey Turner is Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, you could do that, but Trey Turner's also walked 10 times. And he's got a 340 OBP. Carter Keeboom hit 133 with a 204 OBP and a 222 slug. Yeah, that's they got to send him down. Yeah. This was the right decision. They had to. Yeah. Uh, as far as Josh Harrison is concerned, uh, I have to move over to the draft champions ADP because he has not been drafted in a single online championship in the last two weeks. His ADP in draft champions uh, is 593. Uh, in your really, really deep formats, he's going to have some value. NL only, uh, 50 round draft and hold. Um, so if you've got one of those drafts coming up, he's second and third base eligible. He's going to play. Uh, he's probably not going to, you know, produce a ton, but he, he will, he will get played appearances at least early in the season. So, uh, there you go. All right. That's going to wrap up the news. Uh, real quick, before we, uh, jump into our bold predictions, uh, we did get a question in the Discord. If you want to have questions answered on the podcast, uh, the Discord is the place to get it. And to get in the, uh, Discord, you have to sign up for the Patreon, uh, which is Patreon, uh, slash Sleeper in the Bust, so, um, and the link will be in the show, uh, notes and description, uh, when you're listening to your podcast player. So, uh, the question is, how do you approach early season fab? He was specifically asking for NFBC leagues. Um, but just in general, like, how are you approaching your early season fab? Do you tend to be aggressive or kind of lay back and save your money? 
Yeah, this is this is really tough because I've been over. It's a great question too, uh, because it I've been all over the place uh, with things. I have, and I've seen other folks blow through it early uh, because you you get more of a return on investment if if you buy the player uh, and you can get, especially if you hit one. You know, you get the right guy out of the gate and the guy becomes a starting uh, a starter and you're able to run with it. That's where it gets crazy. By the way, Scott Kingery sent down the AAA. Uh, wow. Speaking of guys who have not been able to hit Major League Pitching, uh, he just got sent down. Uh, so that also happened. But with the with Fab, I, the, the rule of thumb I like to use is anybody that you took in reserves, you should be willing to cut immediately. If they weren't good enough for your active roster, then if you took them in the reserves, you shouldn't hesitate to uh, you shouldn't hesitate to uh, to cut them uh, with that and do, do replacements. And I know we're, we've got NFBC Fab running this weekend, uh, and I've that's the approach I've taken. I have multiple bids on with players that are on the reserve roster uh, in, in in both my online championship uh, and TGFBI uh, with that. But other things like in labor, there are guys that I want even in deep 12 team AL labor. There are players out there that I want to get, but because of the labor rules, I'm not willing to cut anybody off my active roster because we, you can't, if you pick them up, you got to put them in your active, but you can only put them in the active. If you have somebody injured right now, cause you know, uh, uh, you haven't been able to elevate anybody. So like the only way I would be able to do anything is because Adley Rutschman's been sent down. I was able to promote Kevin Plowicki as my second catcher. Uh, I would have to cut, Plawicki to make room, but I don't have another catcher to use, so I would have to pick up a catcher, and that's either and that's taking a chance that 2019 Roberto Perez was semi-real, or everything else about Roberto Perez is the real Perez, right? Uh, and so that's the only move. The only thing I can do in labor is pick up a catcher or cut somebody that I drafted, and I'm not there yet. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say like, oh, God, it's time to cut uh, Jake Junis or it's time to cut uh, uh, Julia Merriweather, especially as good as Merriweather looked in his first appearance the other day. Uh, so that's that's where I am on that. Uh, and we have our first fab in, in uh, tout on Wednesday, and I'll likely be making a couple. I have to make some moves. Yeah, uh, Joe Adele got sent down. Chris Davis is going to be on the IL. Um, and so I've got to cover a couple of roster spots there because Bobby Bradley, stupid Jake Bowers and being out of options, uh, made the clubs the first baseman and not Bradley. So I've got to make some moves there, too. Uh, so that's really the approach I want to take. But it, uh, I'm more aggressive with guys that we think uh, like, hey, this guy's going to be the closer, because if you think about it, like if somebody loses that closer job week one. And whoever that is, that's somebody that's going to be a, a high fab bid. Uh, and if, if we were drafting. Like I have a I have a home AL draft on April 10th, April 9th, something like that, right? It's at uh, the second Saturday after opening day um, because we, we don't do the because of the Easter weekend. We're not doing it after opening day, so it's got pushed back a week. Uh, so if a guy had a job, if he got named the closer there, his value goes up immensely. Uh, and if he can keep that job, then he runs. And so I'm, I tend to be more aggressive with relievers early on. Uh, but at the same time, there's usually enough options out there in most leagues where you can just kind of spread the wealth and say, okay, I'll put a few bucks on this guy, a few bucks on that guy and see which one of them clicks, um, with that. But I tend to be more aggressive again with pitchers and relievers early on myself. What about you? Uh, I mean, it's definitely format dependent. So, I mean, you know, if we're talking NFBC, uh, I definitely want to try to be a little bit more aggressive early on, especially if I feel like, you know, I like to do kind of a real dissection of my team 
after I drafted and go, okay, where am I strong? Where am I weak? If I'm, if I'm weak in a certain spot and I feel like I'm missing something, I'm going to be aggressive uh, on that. So, for instance, if I'm light on saves, I'm going to be real aggressive early on trying to find a closer. Right? Yep. If I'm light on speed or power, I'm going to be really aggressive trying to address those uh, those deficiencies early on. You also really want to pay attention to your league. If you're in a home league, you've been playing with these you know guys and gals for you know an extended period of time. You know how your league shapes up, right? So you know like that Jeff is going to stop paying attention mid season, you know. And so that's one last person you've got to worry about bidding on guys mid season, or maybe there's two or three guys that stop paying attention. Um, so that means you can be more aggressive early because it'll take less to get players later, right? So it's really about knowing your league. If you're playing in a public league, in like a Yahoo or an ESPN, people stop paying attention midseason. So you can be more aggressive early on and not worry about having to save your money. In NFBC, I want to make sure that I've got $80 to $100 uh, remaining for the last four to six weeks of the season. So uh, I may be a little bit less aggressive in the first few weeks because other people are going to be real aggressive, and then I start getting aggressive. Uh, but you're right. If I took someone in the last, let's say, seven to ten rounds of my draft, I, I thought less of them than the guys I was taking earlier. So I'm willing to kind of turn those roster spots over. I don't want to overreact to early kind of uh, season numbers because I think that's a, a pitfall people fall into early in the season, myself included. But uh, at the same time, I don't, if I feel like I, I'm seeing a breakout um, or there's a guy who's on a really hot stretch, I'm going to take the gamble early on him because, uh, you know, if you're lucky, he'll continue it through the season and all of a sudden you've gotten someone who's a stud, you know, the same way we saw with Lucas Giolito a few years ago. Right where nobody drafted him, he started off fantastically, and those people who took that shot on him early in the season, it paid off huge for them. So, uh, you know, you don't want to be left behind, and you don't want to hold on to guys that aren't performing, especially at the bottom end of your roster early on. So, all right, let's, uh, we've got about, let's see, about 25 minutes left. I want to uh, jump into some of these bold predictions uh, so, Jason, what is your first bold prediction? Uh, let's see. My first one was with uh, Elysia Hernandez. Uh, and I think I'm trying to go back because I wrote down the ones that I wanted to do, but I forgot to write down exactly what my wording was. So I don't want to change my words. So let me pull this up real quick. And I said Elysia Hernandez was going to be a top 60 pitcher this year. All right. Well, do you, so you believe in the third pitch and that he's going to um, uh, kind of you know, uh, take another step forward here. I believe in a third pitch. I also believe that when I look back at last year, uh, so I said, okay, show me the starting pitchers with at least 25 innings pitched last year that had a strikeout minus walk percentage of 27% of higher. That list had seven names on it. Bieber, DeGrom, Bauer, Glasnow, Maeda, Lamette, and Hernandez. That's outstanding company to keep, even if over 25 innings. And that was without the third pitch. And so he's been able to, he was keeping that kind of company uh, with an incomplete repertoire. I'm like all in on him. Like he has been my Cedric Mullins where like people are snaking you because you're in the same draft as they are. I'm getting snaked on Hernandez. Like in, in two different drafts, he's gone to pick before me. And I'm like, 
stop publishing my material. Uh, and that's where I got <laughs> he's gone the pick before me. But I am really excited about. In fact, I'm I'm just excited about the Marlins in particular. I think I saw the over under on them this year, and I think they're at 75 wins. That's like free money. Uh, I'm really excited about this pitching staff uh, and what they're going to be able to put down together. Uh, the Rays opened the season against them. That kind of sucks. Uh, so, I, But I'm going to be able to watch those guys uh, and and go from there. All right. Uh, my first one is Manny Margot is going to be a top 30 outfielder this season. Uh, so I, I love Manny Margot. I think his defense will keep him in uh, even if he uh, struggles early on in the season. But uh, I don't think he's going to struggle, and I think he could be Starling Marte-ish. You know, a guy who hits 15 home runs, steals 30 bases uh, for these Rays, uh, is going outside of the top 200. I got snaked on him in the main event. I was very, very upset about it. Uh, there was an audible swear. I thought uh, I heard something. Someone... I thought I heard yes. something that day from, yes. the, from the other side of the country. <laughs> yeah, I was I was pretty pissed. Uh, my buddy Phil DeSoe is was the guy in the oh, main. Yeah, that um, explains and, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was uh, I was so stoked. I literally uh, someone clipped it off the live stream I did uh, and I have been live streaming like all my drafts uh, this year. Uh, so you can check that out over on my YouTube. But, uh, yeah, no, I was like, all right, please don't, please don't F me right here. And then literally as I finished that sentence, Margot went and I just, you know, I just swore as, about as loud as I could. So, um, it was, it was probably my biggest, uh, screaming swear of the draft season. But, uh, yeah, I do believe in Manny Margot. I believe in what we saw, uh, in him in, in 2020, uh, including the postseason where he hit the five home runs. I don't think he's a 20 plus home run hitter, but 1530, I think is well within reason. Uh, and I do think that uh, I've, I've been trying to grab him anywhere I can. So I've got him so far in 10 of my 20 NFBC drafts that I've already done. So 50% uh, share rate. Uh, you know, he's my second most owned player to Cedric Mullins, who we'll be talking about here in a minute. So, Jason, what's your next guy? Well, I mean, real quick there to, to follow up uh, on Margot. It really depends. Yeah, in case people forgot, remember he had COVID, his father passed away. Yeah, then it came back, and then in September, he was stealing bases left and right. And he's always been a good stolen base success guy. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the high volume, but when he runs, he does it well. Uh, and then he started hitting for the power because he had one regular season homer, uh, and it was a fence scraper. Uh, and then he comes, and the postseason has five home runs. So it's like you look at that, extend that body of work, and look into September and October, you're like, oh, hey, this is interesting. And I was honestly surprised. Uh, his price during draft season didn't get higher uh, because I'm surprised too. Uh, you, know, you look at yeah the yeah you know, the Rays do the rotation. You know they they've got a Rosarena, they've got Meadows, they've got Kiermaier, they've got Marco. Uh, they don't have a full time DH. They tend to use the DH as a day off from the field, and so you can kind of rotate those guys through. And so you, yeah, you have four outfielders, but you have four spots to use four outfielders. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I see it going. But I'm honestly surprised that he hasn't gone. Um, a, a bit higher and he's been a target in, in multiples and I, I i got him in labor at tout i forget which one uh with it but yeah that's that's one of the other ones there so but we'll see more of it i think uh so the other one that i had and again for all of these these are predictions that i made before spring training started so I, i'm not changing the ones that i've chosen i haven't changed my phrasing for it but these are all stuff that i put in the bull prediction series at, at rotowire uh, and this one here is something I published in early February saying that Tanner Scott was going to be a top 150 pitcher this year. Uh, and the reasons why 
is I, I put out and said, you know, Hunter Harvey, everybody had him as, as a presumptive closer. Hunter Harvey has uh, 15 innings more of major league experience than you or me have uh, with a history of getting hurt. Like all the conditions were there for it. And at the time that I wrote that, Tanner Scott's ADP was 631. I mean, he was just, you had to go to draft champions league to even get him. And now he's coming in the, you know, the 18th to the 21st round. If I saw things recently. So that's where he was. But before all this, like all the conditions were there. If you were willing to take a reserve dart, uh, and again, you know, in those formats, you can take those darts in the reserve rounds because let's say this happens this week. You already had your main event, Hunter Harvey bust, Tanner Scott's name, the closer. Tanner Scott's going to go for a chunk of money. Uh, and so this was, I just like what I see with Tanner Scott, but it all comes down to fastball command. Yeah, he throws a lively fastball in the upper 90s and has the great slider, but when he's behind in counts, Everybody sits on the fastball. And I point this out like 2019, the league hit 386 off his fastball. And when you're throwing your fastball 96 to 98, and the league's still hitting 386 off it, that tells you what baseball is these days, right? Uh, but he, they knew it was coming. But when he can get ahead in the account, and then it's like, okay, what, you got to guess what's coming because this slider is excellent. Uh, and that's what happened last year. In a smaller sample size, he was throwing strikes, and then he had to keep hitters guessing. And we saw what he was capable of in a non-closing role. What we have not seen is how he actually handles the spotlight of the ninth inning uh, at a full-time basis because we've seen other guys previously with excellent skills fade under that spotlight or some guys with meh skills excel out of nowhere. Uh, but for him, he was a guy that I have been targeting all offseason. He is in just about every uh, every league that I've been able to get him. I have him. Uh, and I'm excited to see what he's capable of because, quite honestly, if he does well out of the gate, I don't see him losing this job outside of injury. Yeah, I, I took him last night um, as, like, my fourth closer uh, in, in that online championship. Uh, and I just kind of been getting snaked on him. Uh, I've got lots of shares of Hunter Harvey. Unfortunately, uh, most of those will be dropped except for in the draft and holds uh, where I have him. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be the guy or at least get the fair share of uh, save opportunities in Baltimore. They're not going to win a ton of games, so who knows what that actually uh, kind of racks up to in terms of his save total. But uh, I do like uh, Tanner Scott, and I do think he is still fairly cheap in most leagues, especially if you're drafting your home league, ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, where he's still kind of buried in the ADP. Uh, he can be a real nice kind of last closer, uh, whether you're in a 10, 12, or 15 team league. So uh, I like that call out. Uh, my next one is Patrick Corbin will be a top 15 starter this year. Wow. That is uh, it is bold. I'm going bold. Like, you know, we're not going to hit all of these, right? That's <laughs> the purpose of bold predictions is you're going to have probably a 15% success rate, but it's just showing, uh, you know, the readership, the listeners, you know, who we're high on. And Patrick Corbin is my guy. I've got him in eight of my 20 uh, NFBC leagues so far. Uh, I also uh, drafted him in Tout and the Barf League. So I think uh, that's uh, 10 leagues um, in total. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a guy who the pre, you know, prior to 2020 had been a top 15, top 20 starter in, in fantasy. Um, and we're going to just throw him out because of, uh, you know, shortened season in which he wasn't able to ramp up properly. He's talked about that being a real issue for him. He's looked pretty good in spring so far. Uh, the velocity, I, uh, last I saw was pretty good as well. 
which was kind of the big uh, concern for him. So I I like uh, I like Patrick Corbin. I believe he's going to have a big bounce back year uh, in Washington, and people are going to be regretting uh, looking too much at the 2020 stats. And he's also he's also made the new pitch tracker for two different pitches. He mm-hmm. added a new cutter and he's reshaping his changeup. Yeah, this year. So I, I was just checking that. Checking. Even he was if one, of the guys one that just has multiple things he was working on, so it'll be it's, it's definitely worth watching. Even if one of those sticks, it's going to be huge for him. So uh, the cutter would uh, be the cutter would be really nice. I mean, we all know what the the, the problem with Patrick Corbin has been. It's been mm-hmm. right. <laughs> so it's yeah. you know the changeup would obviously help, but either one of those working. He wants to reshape his changeup because it just hasn't worked well. But either one of those pitches would be nice because he could throw that cutter and get in on the righty or pair it up with the fastball uh, and just use it to sneak over the outer edge. But he just needs one of those, and that should be an improvement for him because that's what the issue has been. It's just when you, know, you can stack righties against him, uh, and most teams have, have found their success. He just really shuts down the lefties, but the, the splits are, are are not healthy, and it's because he hasn't had that uh, he hasn't had that consistent other offering. He's he's always said, "I'll use my fastball and two breaking balls, and that's all I'm going to use." But that that shelf life has kind of worn off. Uh, and if he can add just another thing that gets that has a different look to it, I'd be more excited about the changeup. But again, I'll take either one of these pitches. All right, uh, give me your next one. Next one, stick it in the AL East. Uh, and I honestly, and I tweeted a little bit about this this morning. I have no idea what to make, but I have Bobby Dahlbeck finishing outside the top three fifty because I don't know where this you. Know, the, the strikeout profile is crazy. And at the time I wrote this prediction, his ADP was 294. Yeah. I don't know what it is over the past few weeks, but when you look at he struck out over 40% of the time last year. The track record on those guys is not great. Uh, but I tweeted out a graph. And if you add, if you take Bobby Dalbeck's 2020 numbers and combine them with what he's done in spring training so far, we're talking about a triple slash line of 283.71 with a 680 slug. He's hitting a home run every nine and a half plate appearances, but he's also got a 41% strikeout rate. And so it, that's where it's like, there's great risk and reward. And I went back and looked over players. I said, okay, show me the guys that have struck out at least 40% of the time and tell me what they did the following season with their weighted on base average. At the high end of the curves, Aaron Judge at 61%. And he had a 61% improvement in his weighted on base average after striking out. And that was the year he hit 52 home runs. I don't think any of us are saying that Bobby Dalback is Aaron Judge. But then next on that list was Jared Walsh at 52% improvement. And Walsh and Dalbeck, decent, you know, like, hey, I, I could see it kind of thing. Uh, but And then you've got Tom Murphy at breaking out a catcher at 32% improvement. Javier Baez with a 27% improvement. Uh, Jacoby Jones with a 20%. Derek Fisher at a 14%. And then Franchi Cordero at nine. But like on the other end of that spectrum, Tyler O'Neill, uh, who this is the one I this is the cop that I can't get out of my head, is the the same type of you know, right-handed hitter, lots of power, lots of swing and miss. It's like Tyler O'Neill there at 16%, and then Joey Gallo at the other end, 40 percent. Because Joey Gallo came up as a rookie in, in 2015, flashed all the power, flashed all the strikeouts, and then spent most of the 2016 in the minors because he wasn't hit, making enough contact down there either. And so I try to look at what's possible for Dalbeck, and it could be all over the place uh, because the ones, the hitters that the that survived, most did well. I mean, I'm talking about two guys out of out of eight 
that had positive had negative year over year weighted on base average. Six of the eight had positive. You look okay, maybe, maybe Walsh's, but I, I put it out. I said, look, if if Bobby Dahlbeck has a fifty two percent improvement on his weighted on base average. He'd be like the AL MVP because last year only Juan Soto had a higher WOBA than what you would project. Oh, I'm sorry, I know what it was. The average, the average improvement on the year-over-year WOBA here was eight, was 18. And if if Bobby Dalbach has an 18 improvement over his 2020 WOBA, he would have led the American League in 2020. Uh, that's how crazy this is. So, but I I just when I look at a guy who's who has such contact struggles because he had one of the worst only when I looked it up, only O'Neill and Jorge Alfaro have had worse seasons of contact rate than what Dalbeck did last year. But when he made contact, he killed the ball. Uh, and so that's, but at the, I, I'm running away from this one. I don't have him. Uh, I have faded him everywhere, but if he comes out and comes out and does what Jared Walsh did last year over what Jared Walsh showed us in 2019, it's been done before. Wouldn't surprise us, but I'm I'm fading this towards the Tyler O'Neill thing because uh, even though I can't, I still have Tyler O'Neill in at least one league. I still want to believe, um, but that's I'm I'm leaning. This is going to be more of an O'Neill season than it is going to be a Walsh season. Yeah, I mean I, I've talked about this on Twitter and talked about it on the podcast, so I won't belabor the point too much. But if you sort by minimum of ninety plate appearances, because he only had ninety two plate appearances last year. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck was the had the worst contact percentage in Major League Baseball. He was also third worst in terms of swing strike rate for hitters. Um, I just he, he's already struck out 19 times in 51 plate appearances. That's a 36 and a half percent. While he's hitting 311 in spring, I don't care. Like like I know there's seven home runs. I know there. Is hey, Michael Shavis real... has six. We're gonna believe Shavis yeah. is an MVP candidate, right? Yeah, I, I just it, this kind of profile does. I mean, he is Miguel Sano, Joey Gallo light, right? I don't want the light version. If I'm gonna take the version, I want the the more expensive version uh, that I feel like I'm at least gonna get something more with. So I I, I just have not been getting Dalbeck at all. All right, my uh, my next one is Trevor Bauer is not a top 20 pitcher this year. Uh, people are taking him in the first rounds of drafts or early in the second. Uh, people believe, I just, new location, new catcher, uh, new system. Uh, and we've seen this before. We've seen him be an elite pitcher and then the following year just absolutely crap the bed. I don't trust him as a tinkerer. He loves to just kind of mess with things even when things are going well. Uh, and I just, I, I'm not putting any stock necessarily into his spring uh, when he's been pitching with his eyes closed. I just think he's kind of a, you know, jerk uh, for doing that kind of thing. I, I know he's trying to be funny, but at, at the same time, uh, like, you know, there's other people he's facing that are trying to win major league jobs and he should kind of, you know, treat that with a little bit of respect, but whatever. He's got a 424 ERA in spring, uh, 1.07 uh, uh, whip um you know lots of strikeouts i think you're gonna get strikeouts and you're gonna get volume but i'm i'm really unsure about where the ratios are gonna be and that's that's my biggest fear is that he is not going to deliver the elite ratios that you need to do or need him to do taking him 
in the first or second round. So I'm I, out I would say out. of your of your three, this is the one I believe has the the highest chance of happening so far. Uh, you know, and you look at it from a few things. It's like uh, it, you know this whole news about baseball going to pay attention to potentially doctoring the baseball based on this. It's like it, they're targeting Bauer in this, uh, and, and not to defend him, but everybody else has got like a three year baseline of data. Bauer has a look at my 2020 against everything else. And it's like if he can take it up to, and if he continues in a 220 and his 2020 levels of spin rate, they may say you're doing something because he came out last year and said, fine, I'm doing it. Everybody else is doing it. Nobody's stopping me. So it's like that's there. Uh, and I'm sure you're ready to queue up your victory lap because he is opening the season in cores. And so if he gets blasted in cores, you're going to be running around with your victory lap saying, yep, yeah, told you, here it comes, right? Uh, but I, yeah, in all seriousness, I was entertained. Was it yesterday or the day before where Bauer and Jose Ramirez were, were in the plate appearance where Bauer was telling Jose Ramirez what was coming along? He's like, okay, I'm doing it with the one eye, and here comes the curveball, and here comes the fastball. And he ended up striking him out. He's like, yes. <laughs> like he did his own victory lap around the mound. And I, yeah, that was entertaining. I, I like that side of baseball uh, with that, and that you can get away with that in spring training. But you know, the, the conditions are there between having to face the Padres, uh, having a pitch in Coors Field. Uh, you know, free agent moving to a new market on a big contract. A lot of things are there pointing in a bad direction. Unfortunately, I did take him at SP7 and TGFBI, 20th overall, so I'm hoping you're wrong, but uh, we'll see where it goes. All right, so we've got about five minutes left. Uh, let's bang through uh, our last one each real quick. Jason, who's your last guy? Um, last one. Well, I got two more. Scott Barlow. Sorry, you caught me mid-snack. Uh, Scott Barlow. <laughs> With it, and this is, again, what I wrote back in January, but with Scott Barlow, I said he's going to be a top 150 pitcher. When I, when I tried to look at the market, I know a lot of people are trying to uh, push Kansas City up and saying, wow, they may contend for a wild card this year. I'm not believing in that. Uh, I'm also I'm basing this prediction off of Greg Holland being traded or Greg Holland being injured uh, with this. But when I look at what the bullpen situation looks like behind him, sure, Josh Stalmont throws harder. He can throw the triple-digit fastball. But he also has problems with his walks. And, yeah, he can strike out some guys and offset his walks. But you look at uh, you look at the side-by-side -side comparison, and despite all the strikeouts, Josh Dahlman's strikeout minus walk uh, percentage is 13%. Barlow's at 19%. Barlow has fewer base runners per nine innings. Barlow and Stallman have the exact same batting average against. Um, and they, have, they both have issues with righties and lefties. Like, there's nothing else separating them with that. It's just that Stallman puts more base runners on and allows more home runs. And if you're looking for somebody in the ninth inning, those aren't good tendencies to have uh, as a closer. And so Barlow has been somebody that I have been acquiring everywhere, whether it be end game AL mixed league reserves type of thing. I want him uh, because I believe that this is his job by midseason, and he's not going to let it go. Uh, and so I have been aggressively acquiring him. At the time I made the prediction of him being a top 150 pitcher, his ADP was 546. So again, he was just in draft champions land. He wasn't even being touched uh, in most of your other formats. All right. I actually like that call, especially, you know, if the Royals want to uh, kind of limit the arbitration numbers for Stallmont, they could easily put Barlow uh, in that role if something happens to Holland. I hope nothing happens to Holland because I do have him in my championship. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've also got a lot of other closers, so I'm not super worried. Uh, my next one is Cedric Mullins. Got to make sure I get my Cedric Mullins one in. <laughs> um, 
I have him. I said he's going to be a top 60 outfielder. Uh, and some people are going to be like, well, that's not very, uh, you know, that's not very bold. He's going currently in the last two weeks in online championship leagues as the hundredth outfielder. So I'm, I'm giving him another 40 spots. Uh, you know, I'm going to beat my chest and take my victory lap even before the season started. Nobody was talking about Cedric Mullins or nope, very few people you. were talking about Cedric <laughs> Mullins coming into the season. And what did I say? I said that he was uh, going to likely lead off for the Orioles. He was going to have an everyday role, uh, especially with the injuries that they're dealing with right now in Baltimore. It looks like that is going to be the case. He's going to play pretty close to every day uh, and lead off when he's in the lineup. So, uh, I like Cedric Mullins a lot. There's a, just enough power, not a ton of power uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but there is speed there on a team that I think will let him run. Uh, so, yeah, Cedric Mullins, top 60 outfielder, currently going at outfielder 100, and these are the two guys going on either side of him, Scott Kingery and Oscar Mercado, who are both sent down to the minors. So uh, that's the kind of picks that are going on around there, guys who aren't guaranteed even opening day roles. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I think he's I think he's going to have... Not, I mean, he's not going to like win anybody their league, but I mean, if he hits 250, uh, with, I don't know, double digit home runs, like 12, 13 home runs and 20 stolen bases, that's a steal as the hundredth outfielder going at pick 351 right now. As long as they don't play him in, I remember watching enough last year where he was, uh, you know, the infield hit, especially with him being able to drop bunts down. Uh, mm-hmm. that he was, he was stealing quite, you know, we have, uh, Infield hits, he had three. Bunts, bunt hits, he had nine. He had nine last year uh, in the short yeah, season. He, so there's he led the majors right there. Yeah, he led the majors in bunt hits last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, uh, that is all the time we've got for today. Oh, I can squeeze uh, one more in. All right, go ahead and squeeze but one more. The in. other news: Daniel Vogelbach made opening day roster. Matt Bush and Ian Kennedy both made the Rangers bullpen. So if you're looking for closer in Texas. Pick one of those guys. Uh, but, no, my final guy, because i got to get him in, is TJ Antone. Uh, this is a guy that all offseason I've, I've wanted. I even took him in the in the 23rd round of the Rotowire draft, mock draft that we did for the magazine back in mid-December. So I was that aggressive back then. Uh, I said he was going to be a multi-inning reliever. He could but be a starter because he was that in the minor leagues. Uh, and either way, I wanted him. Uh, and it looks like he's going to be that multi-inning reliever for now. Uh, and maybe he's in that mix, too, with Sims and Garrett and Doolittle. Uh, but I, I'm a believer in TJ Antone. The stuff is legit. Uh, it's good that the spring injury is, seems to be minor. He's going to be ready to go. But I'm very excited to see what this guy's going to be able to do this year. Yeah, I think he is uh, potentially uh, one of the guys that could be this year's uh, Tyler Molly, who we thought was going to be a bulk reliever and have uh, some real good value that way, but finds himself in the rotation uh, at some point. Uh, so I do like that call out. I'll do my last, uh, quick one. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. uh, Mike Soroka is not a top hundred starter this year. Yes. Um, agreed. So, uh, <laughs> he's not going to be ready for opening day. Uh, he doesn't have the strikeout upside. He needs the volume. I'm very concerned about what the volume is going to look like even when he is pitching. Um, but I'm just, you know, I've talked about this one already. I'm just staying away from Mike Soroka. So. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, we got to get out of here. So, Jason, remind everybody where you can reach and uh, plug anything you got going on. 
On the Twitter machine, at Jason Collette, uh, I'm writing some uh, spring training grab bag piece at Rotowire this week, looking at a number of things. We talked about Dalbeck. Um, Tim Anderson's making a lot more contact this spring uh, than he has historically. I, I believe that's noteworthy. Uh, the fact we talked about Seattle running, but San Diego has really been terrible at stealing bases this spring. Uh, uh, Josh Bell looking good this spring. So I'm, I'm grabbing a couple of things like, cause we're all at the point. It's like, man, these advice articles, it's like, Oh my God, what else? I, w- most of us have already drafted. So now it's time to apply what we've learned. So I'm looking at here, what we, here's what we have in the spring. This is how many new pitches were out there. These are like the top five that I'm most focused on. Let's see what happens. And so that's my piece this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm writing a daily over at FanGas. I'll have two pieces on opening day. Uh, including a bold prediction uh, piece that will cover some of this and another bold prediction uh, piece. They're both coming out on opening day. And then I'll be doing the Roto write-up daily over at Fangraphs. Uh, I'm going to be writing pretty close to daily over at Fantasy Alarm as well. I've got this podcast, the TGFBI podcast with my wife uh, and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast uh, that I'm doing. Uh, and that is about it for Jason and myself. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. <laughs>